This episode is brought to you in part by The Good Book Company, publisher of Does the Bible Affirm Same-Sex Relationships? by Rebecca McLaughlin, a book that examines 10 claims about the Bible's view of sexuality. Go to thegoodbook.com slash sexualethics to receive 25% off with code CT25. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. My name is Steve Carter, and in association with my good friends at CDF Capital, I'm excited because today we get to have a good conversation with my friend Carlos Whitaker. Now, many of you know Carlos Whitaker as an author, worship leader, communicator, um, someone who just absolutely knows how to tell a story on social media. Um, but over the last couple of months, I've gotten to know this guy, and I've just been blown away um, by how he sees people. We, we were together in a a camp uh, recently in Colorado. Uh, we we just uh, drove a couple of hours to the airport together, and the questions he asks, his humility, um, his depth of faith, um, and his belief in people in the local church um, was something that I just left telling my wife about. Uh, it was just so deeply, deeply inspiring and moving for me. And so um, I've been a fan of his. Um, and so for him to be here on this podcast, where we spend time talking about the art and the craft of communication, but always, always, always hoping to be the kind of people that have our character lead the way. I'm just humbled. I'm honored. Carlos Whitaker, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Crafting Character Podcast. Bro, can I just have you follow me around and just say that to everybody I interact <laughs> with? Because that, that that's like the greatest 20 seconds of who I am. Like, I thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me, man. Well, dude, it's 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 so true. I mean, uh, people, people when, when your name comes up, um, the smile on people's faces, like everyone seems to have a Carlos Whitaker story. Now, and I always feel bad saying your name because I, I can't roll my R's even though I'm from Southern California. Um, so that's usually one of your intros in your teachings. Like, yeah, that, you, is, that, that is... We we can get right in the craft right away. That yeah. that is my that's my crowd pleasing icebreaker right there, Carlos. Carlos, you get the whole crowd always like responding back, um, which I love. But before we go any farther, I want people to get a sense of just your sound. It's something we do um, on the majority of our podcasts. But I want to take a teach that you did from this year, September sixth, uh, twenty twenty, at Fresh Life Church, uh, the Lusco's Church. Um, in Montana, and you did a, a teaching on your most recent book, which I absolutely loved, Enter Wild. And so I want to, I want people to hear this because I thought it was a really, really brave, kind of courageous uh, space that you created. And so listen to this, and then we'll dive back in in a moment to talk about the craft of communication from Carlos Whitaker's point of view. To be silent. I mean, then, then we can go back to uh, Exodus 14, right? To, to the beginning of his relationship with the Israelites. So you guys remember that story. He's, he, he's freed them from the Egyptian army after years and years of slavery. And they're, they're running as fast as they can. He's like, I promise there's freedom coming. So they're running, they're running, they're going. And then what happens? Like they end up at the edge of the Red Sea, right? And they're like, oh no. And they look behind them and guess what's behind them? The Egyptian army. So suddenly they're standing on the edge of the Red Sea. 
They look back at the Egyptian army and they start freaking out. And suddenly they don't lower the volume of life. They're raising the volume of life. And they're screaming at Moses during the story. They're like, what are we gonna do? Like you should have left us back in Egypt. There were plenty of graves for us back there. Now we're gonna die in the desert. And I love what Moses says to them. He actually says, this is, what he, this is where the rescue comes in. He says, stand still. That was 30 seconds of stillness. And some of you guys were freaking out. (gasps) Oh my God. Did he forget his line? It's so quiet. What's he doing? Oh man. I wish I could see your faces because I know you were freaking out. You You couldn't handle 30 seconds of silence. 30 seconds. Friends, do you want to hear the voice of God? Do you want it? Guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to learn to lower the volume. So, Carlos, tell, tell, tell us a little bit about that teach, um, because obviously it, it, it's something that's near and dear to your heart from the book Enter Wild. Um, but what was it, what's it like from you being someone who's delivered so many teachings in large rooms now to be kind of communicating to a screen? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, um, that's been, you know, I, I will say this, Steve. Um, it actually hasn't been as much of a stretch for me as it's been for a lot of my communicating platform friends, only because um, I do communicate on a screen on a daily basis. So, so on Instagram, I'm so used to talking to my my own face, right? Yeah. That 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 now when you know when I'm just looking into a lens, um, it, whether it be in a studio in Montana or here in my studio in my basement. Uh, I'm really comfortable with it. And I just think that's, that's reps. I think that's because I've done that, you know, for a long time. So um, I will say though, like in this particular teaching that you just heard, um, you know, it's a little bit different because I have a moment and correct me if I'm wrong. This is the moment that, that, that you just played where I, um, I have the crowd. I'm talking about silence and how important it is to hear from God and how we got to lower the volume of life so that the volume of God goes up. And how our daily distractions are so many and the Israelites and I just, I go on and go on. And then I just said, you know, that God has asked the Israelites to stand still and he'll see the Lord and they'll see the Lord save them. So when they stood still, of course, we know what happens. Our favorite worship song was born. He split the sea wide open and they walked through. Well, but what I do right after that moment, yes, is I go straight into silence. And I normally do that um, like in a live teaching with, you know, a thousand people in the room or whatever it may be. And they always, it's, it's so funny. I want to laugh when I do it because I just go dead silent and I stop moving and I just stare at them. And man, everybody in the room, like, you know, about 10 seconds in, they're smiling. About 20 seconds in, they're getting really uncomfortable. About 30 seconds in of me not saying anything, they start looking at each other like, like, is he, is he okay? Is he, is something wrong with him? 40 seconds in, they're like, he, has he forgotten like his next line? Yeah. And then I let him off the hook, right? But by the time I let him off the hook, Steve, it is such a powerful reminder when, when the communicator stops communicating 
how uncomfortable we are and how comfortable we've gotten with noise. And, and, and when so many people are begging me to help them learn how it is they can hear the voice of God, I'm like, step one is to stop, just stop everything. Stop talking, stop thinking, stop doing all the things. And when you lower the volume of life, the volume of God goes up. And so that's why I feel like that's such a powerful, potent moment uh, in this talk in particular. It's the only talk I do it in, um, helping people enter rest, uh, lower the volume of life, and allow the volume of God to begin to explode. And so again, you know, it's an an uncomfortable moment um, for them, but you know, as a communicator, I've got to be comfortable knowing that they are wondering what the heck I'm doing, you know, and that they may be thinking that I've screwed up, that I'm, I don't know, having a stroke. I I don't know what, what, what they they may think. I just stopped talking. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a pretty powerful moment from, from that teaching. You know, speaking of, of hearing like the voice of God, having the volume of the Lord's voice go get louder and louder. You know, I think um, many people know this, but you know, for so many years, you know, you were uh, one of the foremost worship leaders in the country. I mean, you were you were often leading at North Point or or Saddleback and um, many other great great communities across the country. But you were hearing this this voice about, "Hey, uh, you're more than a worship leader. There's something else that was stirring within." And I I I I love this because I think that there are many people who listen to this podcast who are going down a direction in their life because they're really, really talented at it. But there is this inkling, there is this voice that they they can't seem to get out of their mind and out of their heart. But for some apparent reason, you listened to it and you trusted it. Can you take us back and explain? Because really for me, in a lot of ways, uh, you had it set up. I mean, you 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 had the gig. And you, you, you left something that you were one of the best in the country at to begin an entirely new career and start from scratch, you know? And so I'd love just to hear how that happened and what you've learned along the way. I mean, what, what do you want? You want the five minute or the 10 minute version of this story? Let's go 10. Let's go 10. So you're right. I was leading week, weekly. I was leading worship, rotating between Saddleback, North Point and Elevation. Yeah. Uh, and, and cross point church in Nashville, Tennessee. And so like every week I just get on a plane and take my guitar and I go lead with Mac and Chris and Wade over, over elevation. And then I go, you know, I'd go over to Saddleback and I'd leave with John Cassetto and then I'd head down, you know, like, and then it'd be a cross point and leading with Natalie Grant. And like, bro, like I was, I was, I was in, like, I, I, I had no need to shift my career. Like I was doing what I, what I did. And I'll never forget, um, so I used to work on staff at North Point and like the last day I was there, Andy Stanley called me in his office and I'm like, well, I can't be in trouble because I'm leaving. So it's not like he's going to fire me. <laughs> you know, I, 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 got, I wasn't nervous when I walked in and he, I'll just never forget what he said. He goes, Carlos, I need you to know this. And, and I tell you this story because this is the beginning of my transition in, from leading worship into being a communicator. He said, the reason why you're a great worship leader isn't because you're a good singer. And I was like, ooh. And, and I knew that, but like I, you know, like, like I, he said, there's two reasons. The, the, re, the, the main reason you're a great worship leader is because when you walk on stage, everybody in the room feels like they're your best friend. And, and you, can't, you can't teach that to anybody. You can't, you know, that's just something that God gave you. Like it's just your face, the countenance that you bring. And the second reason is for the little 30 second sermons that you give between the songs. He's like, I'm telling you, 
there's not a better worship leader that I know of that can craft a 30 second vignette to, to go from one song to another. And I'm like, well, I'm not like crafting a sermon. Like I'm just like talking, right? I'm, you know, like all worship leaders, I don't know what I'm about to say. I just, you know, he's like, those are the two. So just take that for what it's worth. So I did, I took that for what it's worth. And then, you know, Steve, the more, the longer I um, led worship, the more and more I would get that from people, the more and more I would get that from powerful communicators who I looked up to. And they're like, man, like, you know, um, just what you said, you know, at the beginning of the set or what you said, it was always what I said. It was never what I was singing. It was never the songs that I was writing. But again, my bills were being paid by writing songs and putting out records and touring and leading worship. Um, but it was one, then it, it was one friend after another, Mike Foster. Yeah. He told me the same. He said, Carlos, listen, the reason why people follow you and buy your music isn't because you're a worship leader. It's because you're a thought leader. And again, I'm like, why are all these people telling me this? This is driving me crazy. So, so then I realized the reason why people are telling me this is because the Lord is telling me this. He's using other people to begin to speak to me. So I ignored it for a long time. I ignored it probably for the entirety of my, you know, my signed record label artist days uh, at Integrity. Like, but I knew, I, I just knew in my heart that I, I was supposed to be preaching. I was supposed to be teaching. Um, but, no, but again, like I, I'd, I'd not written a book. I never, no one had asked me to speak for longer than 30 seconds between a song. Um, but then my wife, uh, she was kind of, she's always the one that, you know, is the straw that breaks the camel's back. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I say it all the time. <laughs> Maybe we could deep dive into what the heck yeah. it means later. But, but she's like, hey, listen, I keep hearing you have these conversations with all these people about you're supposed to be a speaker, not a, not a worship leader. Um, if that's the case, and if God's telling you that, you just need to do it. Like you just need to jump all in and do it. So this is why I don't get asked to speak at leadership conferences because what I did next would not be what I would recommend to anybody, but I went to my laptop, Steve, and I, I opened it up and I had 87 worship leading dates. I mean, this is my job. This is my full-time job. This is yeah. like for the rest of the year. Um, and in one email, I canceled them all. <laughs> I said, and the email said, um, thanks so much for the invitation to come lead worship. But the Lord has told me that I am to not lead worship anymore and I'm to um, become a speaker. So if you love me, if you, if, you, if you wouldn't mind, pray about having me come and speak at your event instead of leading worship. Now, since God told me this, right, Steve, like I had the complete and total faith that I would wake up the next morning to 87 out of 87 <laughs> yeah, emails yeah. saying, of course, like we're, we're going to ask Steve and Bob Goff and all these other people that do this for a living that we don't need them. We're just going to have you. That's what I thought. Well, of course that, that wasn't the case. People were like praising me and thanking you. Like, well, that's great. You're listening to the voice of God, but like, can we have our deposit back? Uh, we got to find somebody else. So I'll tell you, this was uh, the, then, then the next day I thought, okay, for sure. I'm going to get a, something. I, I put it on my Instagram. Like, like, hey, I want to start speaking. I put it on, I sent it to my email list. I was for sure in the, in the next week, I was going to get something. But all I kept seeing were rejections after rejections after rejections. And uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't blame them because I, I wasn't a speaker, right? Like, right. I mean, what a like asinine thing to think that I could just throw it out there and expect it to come back. So like, but I felt like the Lord told me. So seven days turned into 10, 10 days turned into 13. And at this point, Steve, I, um, I get in my car on day 13 and I drive to Home Depot and to Walmart. This is to get applications. This is like the most embarrassing, 
Like I'm, I'm actually going to go have to get a job somewhere because I quit what the Lord had had me doing for something I thought he wanted me to do, but apparently nobody else wanted me to do it. So day 14, day 14, I open up my booking e- email and there's an email in there that I think is spam. And so I just hit delete because it said the White House would like to. So I just hit delete, right? Because uh, the White House wouldn't want to do anything with me. <laughs> well, a few, a few minutes later, I start, my phone starts blowing up from just kind of people on my team. And they're like, hey, did you get the email? And so I open the email up um, and it said the White House would like, you, like to invite you um, to be the keynote speaker and lead one song at President Obama's Easter prayer breakfast next Tuesday in the East Room of the White House. <laughs> and so here's the deal. I had 14 days of wilderness, bro. Like I'm telling you, I was doubting everything that the Lord had called me to do. And then the very first speaking gig I ever have was in the East Room of the White House for the most president of the most, for the president of the United States, the most powerful human being on the planet. And, you know, I called all my, all my preaching friends that I knew. I was like, help me write my, this 10 minute message I'm supposed to give. And of course it only lasted 90 seconds because I was so nervous and I talked so fast. Um, but that was the beginning, you know, that, that was honestly the beginning of the Lord of me realizing that I've got to trust the Lord through the long road of obedience because obedience isn't going to just um, bear the fruit that you think it may the day after you obey. For so many of us, it's not going to be the day after you obey. It's going to be so much longer. So for me, leaving one career as a worship leader, going into another as a speaker or communicator, um, it was 14 days of wilderness. And I want to, I just want to be honest for some of your listeners, it may, you may be 14 years <coughs> into it right now. Like you may be like God, like, and I'm telling you, if he told you to do it, you've got to trust that you got to do it. And, um, you know, I actually share this story in my Enter Wild book. Um, and it's in the, the last section, it's split in an arrest, enter war, enter wild. But these are some of the wild stories of obedience that when we begin to hear the voice of Holy Spirit, when we begin to obey what Holy Spirit is saying, we're going to see some crazy things happening. And so I've never been as nervous as I, as I was that first day. There, you can't put me in a room. I don't care if I'm in a stadium in front of 70,000 people. I was not as nervous as I was in front of President Obama. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was just crazy. So that's kind of my you know, transition story from like being worship guy to hearing the voice of God to being obedient and then stepping into, um, into being, you know, this being my full-time gig, telling stories. I love it. From worship to Walmart to the White House. Yeah. The Carlos Whitaker story, bro, right there, I you know? It. I love it. I love Dude, it. Dude, you know, how amazing is that, though? I mean, again, you had guys like Mike Foster, who, you know, I just adore, and Andy Stanley, I mean, who were able to see something and call it out. And I, I, I so agree. I think that for many, many worship leaders— um, they have had to fight uh, to get sentences down to be so tight and moving where they're often farther ahead than most young communicators because they go, oh, I got 20 minutes. I can just ramble and then find the point. Worship leaders have almost learned how to be snipers with their words in, in such a way. But I think that that uniqueness of when you would be on that stage, everyone felt this this connection, this connection to you, they trusted you. There was this access, this availability, accessibility that somehow you could open yourself up and people could, could feel that. And I, I, you know, I'll be, I'll be in Arizona, I'll be on Instagram and I'll watch one of your stories and I'll feel like you're pastoring me, you know, whether you're in some COVID, 
you know, uh, RV camper, or you're like, you know, in a safari in South Africa, like wherever you might be running to your plane, um, you know, so you don't miss your connection. Like there are these moments that just feel so human that you're so great at telling a story. And I think that's one of, you know, I'd say you're one of the, the top five I know of just storytellers. Can you just talk a little bit about the craft of storytelling? Because I think it's a lost art. I think Jesus told stories. He was a master at it. It's, it, it oftentimes we think, man, I just got to transfer this point. But man, when you can do it in a, in a story, somehow the residence, the, the way that we were able to remember it um, throughout the week and throughout the seasons just becomes way, way, way more um, accessible to our, 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 our lives. So how do you do that? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I'm asked that a lot and I, and I have been trying to maybe unpack maybe a system or like what kind of what I do. And the more I do that, the more I realize, gosh, man, I don't know if it's a system and a strategy as much as it is really one or two things. It just, I feel like people, A, they want to be invited into your story. Like, like they want to be mm. invited in. And that's what, and that's what you feel on Instagram. I'm, I'm like inviting people straight in. I'm not te- necessarily telling a story on Instagram, but I'm really living a story and then inviting yeah. people in. So, so, and, and that same thing that Andy Stanley told me votes true in on Instagram as well. Like people will tell, they'll DM me all the time. Like, this is so weird, but I introduce you to people as my friend. Carl, yes. like, and, and it's what Andy said. People feel like they're your best friend. Like same thing on Instagram. Like it's, there's something about inviting people into the authenticity of who I am because I do show the ugly parts too. Like I do show the ugly parts of my story. I'm very um, purposeful in that. Um, but I would say I would say one thing that people could do to probably accelerate their storytelling is to, and this is I do I do this all the time, is to give everybody something to root for. Because what where huh. we find ourselves in right now is in a season where everybody knows what to root against, right? Like we all know what you're against. We all know every Instagram story is like, this is why I hate this. This is why I hate this. But what I've realized and what I, what I captured accidentally about a year and a half ago, um, I had this, this, this uh, Instagram story go viral about this baby bird that had fallen out of a nest in my gutter. Yes. And, and I grew like 10,000 Instagram followers like overnight because they, everyone wanted to see this baby bird. And after the baby, you know, then I continued the story about the baby bird and then I sent it to rehab and then the rehab guy brought it back to my house. And then we ended up letting it go away in super slow motion, right? I, I, I do a lot of cinematography on my Instagram, but at the end of the day, I realized it, people weren't following this because of the cinematography. They were following this story because they were all rooting for one thing and who they're rooting for actually wasn't me. They're right. rooting for the bird. And so again, this goes back to the craft of story, right? Like you are not supposed to be the hero of the story. If you're telling the story, you're the guide. And so like, I'm just trying to guide people to find the hero and the hero was the bird. And so especially right now in 2020, I don't know when people are listening to this, you may listen in 2022, but it's still going to be the case. People are desperate to come together in things. You know, people are so tired of just of just knowing the things that everyone else is against and they want to be for something. And so I do that on Instagram. I also try to do that, you know, on stage um, when, when I'm, when I'm speaking, like I can still talk about hard conversations, but I can, I can just wrap it with hope. I can wrap it with unity. Uh, and, and that's just, that's become my thing, man. That's become what I feel like I'm called to do in these days. Um, and, and I, I feel like just giving people something 
to root for is, is a big key that a lot of people trying to become better storytellers are missing. They're just telling stories, but nobody has anything to root for in the story. Um, and that, I think that's, that's huge. And then I'd, I'd add one more thing. When I, when I first, it was, it was 2015-ish, uh, went, went from worship leading to teaching, um, you know, especially for those that are listening to this or watching this that are thinking, man, like I have always wanted, I've had an inkling. I want to, I want to teach. It's like, I wonder if I can do it. I, I, I want to say that it's, it's going to be so easy for you to just kind of copy and paste. Like I remember, like I, I, I thought, oh my gosh, well then I'm going to look at my favorite communicators, like, like Carl Lentz and like, you know, all these kind of like high energy. Cause I was a high energy worship guy. So I I've got to be a screamer, right? Like that's gotta be like what I do that Stephen Furtick, like I've got to preach like that. And <laughs> for about a year, I tried my hardest to do that. And um, I would always revert back to just telling a story. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm just, I'm going to be a storyteller on stage. And finally about a year and a half in, I was like, you know what? Like, that's not me. Like, like I, I've, I've figured out what I am and it took some time, but I really am like, I'm just, I'm the, I'm your buddy that's on stage. I'm going to make you laugh. I'm going to make you cry. I'm probably not going to make you stand up and shout, um, you know, and that's fine. There's other guys that are really good at that. But what I'm really good at is making you think through story. And, uh, and I, f- I found that I'm comfortable in that. And so that's, that's really who I've become. It's beautiful, man. Well, and I love that idea. It's just as you're telling the story, who can you root for? And Jesus was a master at this. I mean, you know, hey, he, he took a word that was synonymous with, you know, racism and prejudice, like the word Samaritan, and now makes it synonymous with, with good. And he gave uh, the entire world someone to root for, you know, and, and he just, he did this. And that's such a beautiful way because I, I was, I've been trying to, to figure out what is it? What is it that you do? Whether it's your neighbor across the street who painted his bunny black, you know what I mean? Just, and I'm like, what? And it is, you gave us someone to root for where I'm like, I just, I want to know that neighbor. I want to just show up at his house and like, just say, thank you. Like you, you take all of that energy that's within us that could be used for just railing against somebody else, hating somebody else, continuing to divide or for us or yeah. just even like, you know, Oh, I just want to make my platform, but I want to make this about me. Yes. Make it about somebody else. Yeah. And it just unifies. Yeah. It's beautiful. I'll add one last thing. It's so funny. Um, as you're talking about this, just this week, well, actually, when I was when I was leaving you, I think it may or maybe a couple days later, um, I I made a story about um, me wanting to come home to hug my 20 foot inflatable snowman. And so, <laughs> like, like like I I was like this is dumb, right? But but I'm bored. Like I'm just gonna, so like I I filmed it very vlog style. You know, I set my phone down. I walked by it in the airport. I had different shots of me getting on the plane. Time lapse getting to Nashville had this Chronicles of Narnia, Father Christmas music playing in the background. People are feeling it. And I'm like, I got to go hug my snowman, get home. You know, I'm filming the whole thing. I inflate my snowman and then I hug him at the very end. And I do it in slow motion. I hug him. And Steve, like the amount of people that said, I don't know why, but I cried when I saw you hug your snowman. That showed me right there that people are exhausted from rooting against things and they just want to root for something. So everyone was, who knew it would be a snowman and me, right. and this grown man hugging the snowman. But, but it's just, again, that was just another data point for me to go. People are desperate for that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so good. That's so good. Well, you know, one of the, the things that we often talk about on this podcast is just the importance of character. You know, um, I take an old 
Chappelle quote when he uh, when he bounced from Comedy Central, you know, episode five, he had signed a fifty million dollar deal, and um, everyone wondered like where where did he go? And he'd been in South Africa, you know, at a monastery, and he finds himself on Oprah's couch, and you know, Oprah's asking him like, "Why'd you do it, Dave?" and and he just simply said, "Because success can take you places that character can't sustain you." And I, to this day, I, I remember where I was watching that at a hotel, and I just it just hit me. And I think you know, for 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 many of us who are teaching, whether you know, in a, in, in a youth ministry of forty students, whether you know, to a a church of a thousand, four hundred, five thousand, or beyond, or now even just on social media where everybody can have a hot take and try and take you out um, with some kind of word or, or phrase. Um, it's, it's getting harder and harder in many ways for the character to lead the way. And especially it, with someone like you who, you know, is, is traveling, someone, you know, who's on the road. How, how, do, you, um, how do you fight? Because again, you're, you're the same guy. You're the same guy on stage, the same guy off stage. I love it. You've done your hard work. You've talked about that before. But how, how do you how do you fight for your character to lead the way? And what what words of wisdom or practices can you kind of share and offer up to our listeners? Gosh, man, yeah. This is, um, you know, this part of the conversation is so. Um, gosh, it's it's so amplified for me only because. Um, I, I've seen firsthand, we can have a whole other conversation on how my craft destroyed my character. Mm. Um, and this was 2010. This was worship leading Carlos says this was 2010, yep. 2011. And I allowed, um, I allowed my utter and complete focus to be just on my craft and not on my character. And what that did, Steve, is it destroyed my life. So, so it destroyed my marriage. It destroyed my uh, everything. Now, fast forward, you know, um, Spoiler alert, everything, like the Lord healed all the things that were destroyed in 2010, 2011. But I, I say that only because I need people to know that I know, like, like I know, when I say I know, like I, I know that um, the enemy is waiting, like walking right alongside everyone that is gifted. He's coming after those that, that are um, powerfully gifted and anointed in, in their craft of communicating the gospel. And um, you, we have to, A, I think we, we have to come to a common understanding and realization that we're in warfare. Like, like yeah. you're, if, if you're a believer, like you've got to understand when you go from Genesis to Revelation, the common theme of scripture is actually war. Like it's not love. Like, like people want to say, this is a love letter. Well, I don't know. You, you start reading in some of these Old Testament, it was cutting people's heads off. It was, it is war. And so like, once we come to the understanding that we are in war, at, at that point, once you once you believe that and you know that, well, now you can um, now you can begin to attack it. Now you can begin to you know gird up with the full armor of God. You know, start start protecting yourself, but not just protecting yourself, being on the offensive uh, in in what it is. And so, like, I'm trying to tell you know I'm to the age now where I'm leaning into twenty something year old leaders, and I'm like, I don't care how much woo you have. I don't care how tweetable your sermons are like if you are not on a daily basis consecrating your day to God you're, you're setting yourself up for failure so a couple practices I've got like is you know I've got a daily prayer that I try uh, as much as I can to begin my my days with 
uh, to begin. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's in the back of my books. You can find it online too on my website. Uh, but it's about a 12 to 15 minute prayer that I pray every single day because I tell people all the time, you, I can go to bed feeling like the greatest Christian on the planet, but sometimes I'll wake up feeling like an atheist. And I've got to just set my mind and set my heart um, on things above. And so that, that's one thing that I do. A second thing that I do kind of daily for me is prayer and thanksgiving. And so like I do that very specifically, like I praise and thanksgiving, I'm sorry. I praise God for who he is and I thank God for what he's done. And I make sure to do that in my journal every single day. And then the third thing I do every single day is in, and this is all together, right? I do my daily prayer, then I do praise and thanksgiving. Uh, and then I, I begin to communicate with Holy Spirit. And I begin to ask Holy Spirit, where in scripture would you have me go today? And he'll take me to places that, oh my gosh, like, like will just blow my mind. Obviously, we've all had those moments where Holy Spirit is so specific, right? We don't serve a vague God. Our prayers are so vague sometimes. No, once we get specific with him, and this is what I do in my morning time, um, he, he gets specific right back. And I'm telling you what, after that prayer, praise and thanksgiving, and, and this kind of Holy Spirit-filled time in the word, there's just, there's not a whole lot that can affect me. And my character my character is set up to succeed every single day. But instead, what do we do? Like we wake up, our, our phones are our alarm clock. We swipe to, you know, and we've got all these notifications. Next thing you know, it's, it's an hour and a half later and we've just been scrolling through things, not necessarily consecrating our days. So the consecration aspect of our day um, is so important because the enemy is waiting for us to not consecrate our days, to not offer up our days. And when that happens, we're going to be way more prone um, to, to, to all of the, all the things that we're seeing in the news, all the, all the leaders that we're seeing falling, you know, you know, for me, like it was 2011. If the, if what would have happened to me in 2011 happened to me in 2019, I would have been canceled. Like, like what they call wow. canceled. Right. But you know, fortunately for me, it happened before people were canceling people. But now I tell people all the time that I see canceling people online that follow me and love me. I'm like, Hey, Hey, wait a second. Like you actually would have canceled me. Like, like I would have been canceled because my character um, wasn't in the place that it is now. And so, you know, I, there's a lot, you know, I can go into, I mean, obviously I'm really passionate about this side of the, of the conversation. Um, and I just feel like that's a beginning point for everybody is, is consecrating your day every single day. Well, it, it can be long or it can be short, but just consecrate, offer it up to God, praise and thanksgiving. Okay. Cause that it's scripture tells us those are weapons of warfare. And then also, um, just conversational intimacy with Holy Spirit and growing that listening muscle, growing that hearing muscle when it comes to who he is. Well, I love that. I mean, it's really, really practical, but I don't think very many people think about that word consecrate. It's kind of one that that we've, you know, fallen out of our, you know, consecrated <laughs> Lord to thee. What the heck does that mean? You know? uh, totally. But I mean, I think it, I think it's so true. It's, it's, you know, and, and you, you begin to think through, Hey, I'm offering up today before the Lord. I'm offering up today the gifts that you've given me. I'm offering up today my pain, my brokenness. I'm offering up today and I'm trusting you. And I think I think that uh, I heard one, one person said, you're either going to consecrate today or today will desecrate you. Like it just like, you know what I mean? Just in the sense, it's just going to, like it will take you out, you know? And, and I think that there is something in, in when you put yourself in the right perspective, in the right posture, um, and then I love it. It's then the next place, a place of praise, a place of, uh, just Thanksgiving for what God has done, his faithfulness. And then just that intimacy with the Holy spirit where that, that conversation, again, 
What you are doing in those three practices is wildly opening yourself up for what God wants to do in and through you. And I feel like that becomes pretty addictive because all of a sudden it's like the enter wild. You you find yourself going on these adventures with God and you're like, dude, I, I might have missed that moment if I if 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 I was unable or not attuned to his voice. And and you you just you start to see God moving, God shaping, God forming, God giving you these invitations and opportunities. And when you step into them, you're like, gosh, I could have missed that if today had not been consecrated. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, and I love the, I love how you tied that into, you know, just like a, a, a life filled with miracle signs and wonders like, like the, that we miss yes. you know, like for so long. Like I was missing that. And it's because I was doing everything in my own strength. Like I was, you know, I was doing everything based on, you know, 60% abundance and just like a life hack Christian culture. And yes, man, I had no idea that I was missing just this intimacy uh, and, you know, not to plug the book, but the wildness of the, of a faith that, that we I've been living in such a mild season. And, yeah. and once you experience that, once people start doing this, these practices and start tasting, wow, I didn't know this was available to me. You never, ever, ever want to go back. So like people are asking me like, how, Carlos, like, so you're, t- you're telling me that you spend like an hour every morning, like an hour every morning, like you pray for like 15 minutes and then you, you praise in Thanksgiving for a few. And then you, you're just in the word. And I was like, like, I, I, I used to think that same thing. Like that's a, that's a long time, but now I can't even fathom not doing it. It's, it's become like that thing. Like I can't fathom not doing it because what it does is it sets me up for the most crazy encounters during my weeks and during my days uh, that I never would get had, am I not, had I not been in tune uh, with Holy Spirit because of that consecration that happens in the morning. So beautiful. You know, one thing I learned recently, um, and I, I've probably missed this from, from, you know, a teach that you did or a book, but, um, you know, your, your dad was a pastor. And uh, you grew up in Southern California. Um, what, what did you learn from your mother and father's faith that you just am like, man, this is something that I'm, I'm trying to pass down to, you know, my daughter, my two daughters and my son. Yeah. Gosh, man. So much. My dad is a, I mean, he's a saint. He's my hero. He is again, first generation immigrant from Colón, Panama, black man in 1960 immigrated to the United States as a old with $20 cash and a shoe shine kit and just wow. made it. I mean, so, so, you know, I look at my dad's faith and, um, and, and I think, I think we're always going to that generation, right? So my dad is 76. Um, I look at, I look at his generation and I just, and this is what I've learned. Like he, he did it 100% completely for selfless reasons. The reason he was in ministry, the reason he gave his messages, the reason he was at Primera Iglesia Bautista and Pico Rivera, first bilingual Baptist church every single day was because the Lord had called him to, to lead people to Jesus. And, and there, there could be no, like in his generation, there could be no like doubt that that was the case. Like he was just dirt poor. It's, he didn't have like, there was no Instagram. He couldn't get famous. He yeah. couldn't get YouTube videos. He couldn't get views. Like, and now like there has to always be second guessing in what, what we do, why we do it, because there's always other reasons that we could be doing it for. Right. And I look at my dad's generation, I think there was no other reason besides the gospel. There was no other reason besides he wanted to see how he would say it every single week is, 
I want to see men, children, boys and girls come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Like that is it. Like that, that was, that was it. That, that, that was his tweetable sentence. Like that, like the, for his entire life before Twitter, like, and, uh, and man, I, I just, I think, you know, the older I get, the more I'm, I'm sitting in on that going like, man, like, I mean, I appreciate my twenties and my thirties, you know, and I appreciate how hard I, I, I worked and how I built things and, but man, at the end of the day, now I'm getting to the place where I just want to see men, children, boys, and girls come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you know, and that's just it, man. And so that's what I learned from the, they just had a steady faith. They had one goal. Um, and that, that's, that's what I want. We're, we're so distracted these days. I can I want to get back to that. That is amazing. <clears throat> I love that. I love that so much. And just the, uh, you know, when we were together, just you, you shared a couple stories of, about your dad and just, I was like, that is amazing. 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 Um, hey, Carlos, thanks so much for joining us. Um, where can people find you? Um, and what, what else are you working on that I feel like it would just be really helpful for this audience to, to check out? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'd tell you my website, but who goes to those things anymore? Right? So, like, to be honest with you, like, uh, I'm, I'm on Instagram. Like, that's where I'm, I spend most of my days, um, at Loswit, L-O-S-W-H-I-T. And I'm on Twitter a lot too, but I always tell people that like me on Instagram that they're probably not going to like Twitter, Carlos. So there's like two different versions of me, right? I'm a little bit more fiery and feisty on Twitter, but those are the two places. And then also, um, you know, uh, if you do follow me at, at those, on those spaces, um, I will be, and this, this may be good for your, your group and your listeners, but launching this story to digital storytelling course. So I'm launching a digital storytelling course come January or February. I'm in the middle of editing right, right now. Uh, but where I go into things like I was talking about, how, how to find the hero of a story that's not you, you know, social media wise. But then I also, besides like the overarching theories of storytelling digitally, I get into the nitty gritty, like, here's the apps I use. Let me give you tutorials. This is how I edit on my phone. This is doing the whole thing. And so I think that'll be really helpful for, uh, for communicators. I love that. Hey, I know we talked about enter the wild. I will tell you this, uh, that kill the spider is a, a fantastic read. Um, if any of you are listening and looking for a great sermon series, um, that book has so much potential to really transform uh, your congregation to like really get after what is holding their life in check. And I just think it's a fantastic read. I think your teachings on that are amazing. And so if you ever just need someone uh, from the outside to come and deliver that message, I mean, I kid you not, Carlos, that talk is, it's, it will go down as one of your best talks. It's just so practical. I think everyone in the audience goes, I got something, I got something I got to get after. And I love how it's connected to your dad's like phrase. I mean, there's just so many parts of it, but if you're listening, get that book, read it. And then just dream about how that could become a series or like part of your small group curriculum. Cause I think it's, it is a powerful, 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 a read and can really transform your community. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Brother, thanks so much. Hey, for everyone else listening, please continue to subscribe, share, like, rate, whatever you want to do, but you can always learn more about us. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, um, but our whole dream is to help take you on a cohort journey. Um, we've already launched three this year. They've been amazing, helping people grow. They're like eight or nine people. We go and, and we spend a year together going through what it means to be a, a communicator, 
But we, we find ourselves meeting and hanging out with incredible faculty, and we grow in the art of having our character lead the way. So you can always learn more at craftandcharacter.org. But thanks so much for tuning in, and please go ahead, follow Carlos, and buy his books. Check out his, his storytelling uh, workshop that's going to be coming out in January and February. And if I can ever serve you, never hesitate to reach out. Thanks so much, friends. Grace and peace. Peace.